0: hey what's up everybody welcome back to the culture city sports podcast my name is Saral, the host of this show and on today's episode i'll be talking about The Vancouver Canucks again, obviously, and how the last week has gone since my last episode. And also a little bit uh, later on in the show, I'll be talking about the NFL and what to expect um, in this upcoming week of the NFL season. So let's get to it. So, since my last episode, the Canucks have played three games. Um, They have two overtime losses and one regulation win. Um, The regulation win came against the San Jose Sharks. And the losses came against the Anaheim Ducks and the St. Louis Blues Um, in overtime. Both of those were 2-1 losses. And... To be honest, it's still a lot of promise shown from these uh, Canucks players, all these young guys, because although they lost in overtime in those two games to Anaheim and St. Louis, for the most part, they still dominated those games. It's just a few defensive lapses that, um, that ultimately cost them the game. Because if you look at uh, the St. Louis game, um, the first goal that St. Louis scored, um, Troy Stetcher, uh he loses his man and he all and that guy just ends up, with the free shot on net. So close to Jacob Markstrom. There's not much he could really do about that. Uh, so that's one defensive lapse from Troy Stetcher. That just can't be happening. They got to fix that up in the future. If they want to contend for a playoff spot. And against St. Louis again in overtime. I'm sure everybody saw this. Uh, the 3-on-0 that... St. Louis scored on to win the game. That's just obviously nothing like that can be happening. I mean, um the line that was out there was um Horvat, Miller and Myers and Horvat and um Horvat and Miller, they were both up in the play, so if you have half a brain, if you're Tyler Myers, you should stay back a little bit because it is 3-on-3. You don't have other guys to bail you out if the two forwards are up in the play. And Tyler Myers, theoretically, he should stay back a little bit to defend the counterattack, which led to the goal. But Tyler Myers decided, screw all that. He wanted to get up in the play. Horvath gave him a pass. He missed the net. And... The Blues went the other way, and the Canucks, all three guys were in the right corner of the St. Louis end, and I think two of them tripped over each other, trying to get back. I don't know which two players it was, I didn't get a good look at it, but that's just unacceptable. Horvat was the last one to get there, but he didn't get there in time, um... And Jacob Markstrom, after he gave up that 3-on-0 goal, you could see he was super choked. I mean, like, honestly, the reaction he gave wasn't even, like, that was kind of soft. I know he just, all he did was break his stick on the goalpost like every goalie does when they're mad, right? But... I thought that wasn't enough. He should have got a little more angry than that. Like, he should have, like, like, threw the net across the ice or some shit like that because that was just awful. If I was Jacob Markstrom, I'm going back to that locker room and I'm just ripping into the three guys that were on the ice. And shit like that just just can't happen. If you want to um, contend in the regular season going into the playoffs, you got to you gotta be better in overtime because the Canucks like to take a lot of these games to overtime, clearly. And if you are going to do that, you got to be better. You got to win a game in overtime. They haven't even won a game in overtime this season yet. They've only won in a shootout. So that's a little concerning. I know overtime losses, shootout losses, whatever, you get a point out of it. Who cares, right? But sometimes those one point that you lose um, in overtime or shootout can end up costing you the season. I'm sure um, teams like like Boston a few years back missed the playoff by a few points. And it's sh- it's just stuff like that that um, could end up costing you a playoff spot or it could cost you home ice advantage in the playoffs anything like that it, it, every point matters and uh, the Canucks just got to be better They got to be a little more careful um, in overtime there's just too many too many breaks for the opposition whether it's Anaheim or St. Louis they just get too many easy opportunities in overtime and that's why they lost the game. That's why they lost both of those games. Because um, sometimes you, sh- you don't get any goals in regulation. That happens. It doesn't matter. Um, the goaltending is good enough for that to happen. Like like against Anaheim, against St. Louis, we only scored one goal. But we still got it to overtime because the, sh- the goaltending has been so good. And... That's allowed to happen. It happens to every team throughout the year. And you just got to be a little better in overtime, though, in situations that that happens. Because, like I said, every point matters. And I just don't know. I was so mad when I saw that 3-on-0. And everyone I know, I'm sure every one of you who watched that game yesterday were just... Shocked and upset that Something like that in the NHL could happen because I don't think that's Really happened before it doesn't happen much so I don't know how the f- I don't know how the hell that happened I really don't and um, If it happens again, then I'm sure a lot of more fans will be upset and more more upset than I am already about this cuz that's just unacceptable and if it happens again that's freaking ridiculous honestly okay so now that I've got the negative stuff out of the way let's move on to some positive things right Um, so like the Canucks like I said before they dominate regulation and sure they don't score some goals in some games, but that happens. But you got to be impressed by the way they've um, competed against teams like St. Louis and like Washington earlier in the year because last year, you could, they just got ran over um, and didn't have the physicality. And um, against the Blues, they showed that they... They've taken a step. They can dominate against some of these teams like St. Louis. And they can also play physical now, which is something they haven't been able to do in a long time. And like Travis Green said yesterday that this was a playoff-type game. So did Bo Horvat. Uh, Bo also said that. And it's pretty... Um, promising to see that because you want to see the Canucks um, you want to see the Canucks play in these playoff type games Um, Travis Green said that's a heavy team and they know how to win which is true St. Louis won the cup last year so clearly they know how to win and they showed that they can play with these guys and that's something that is awesome i said it last week i said it this week and i'm gonna keep saying it if they keep proving it if they keep um showing out against these good teams then i have no reason to uh believe that they won't make the playoffs this year and it's looking up uh petterson's been playing really well lately quinn hughes got the tying goal in the dying stages of the game um against st louis which is obviously um, really promising because this year the defense has been able to score and put up points, which is something that they've lacked in the last four years. So, the defense is putting up points. The forwards are still dominating the game. Um, Markstrom and Demko have still been solid. So, obviously, there's a lot to look forward to there, and... Um, JT Miller he although he was on the ice for that uh, lapse in overtime uh, he's still proving that he can play with uh, Bo Horvat they got real good chemistry between the two of them so those are some good positives I guess I, I can't really say much else but if they, they got to clean up that um, they got to clean up that overtime and shootout play because that's something that you go through in the regular season and you have to win some of those and i'm sure they will i'm sure they will but i wanted to get going a little sooner than it has because they haven't won an overtime yet like i said and of course everyone wants to see them win they have the talent to dominate 3-on-3, and I'm sure they'll get it, I'm sure they'll get it, so, we'll see what happens. The Canucks have gotten points out of 12 of their last 13 games, which is very positive, of course, um, they got a little bit of a tougher schedule coming up, they got Chicago on Thursday, which is also, which is always a... It's always a fun game because, you know, it's Chicago versus Vancouver. Um, I'm sure most people still consider this a big rivalry. I know I do. Um, so they got them on Thursday. Then they come home for a four-game homestand before they go on the road for a little bit. So in those in that uh, four-game homestand, they have to get at least 7 out of 8 points cuz there is 55 games left right so you got to get the most you can out of these home games um here's another little thing they've played 17 of their first um 27 games on the road so later on in the season they have the benefit Of having more home games than away games so obviously that'll be a little more beneficial and like little it's more of a privilege that they have over other teams and an advantage sorry that they have over other teams and obviously the Canucks they perform like historically they perform pretty well at home um, so far this year, clearly they've performed well on the road and at home. And you you got to think with those home games later on in the season that things are looking much better than previous years. It looks like the luck is finally turning because usually we the Canucks, they usually go on these um long roads uh road stretches later in the season but now it's a little bit of a flip because now these road stretches are earlier in the year before january and february so that's always good because then february to april having more home games when games matter that's always a benefit, and It should help them. I'm not saying that they're going to win all these games, but it obviously should help them. Um, They've stayed healthy throughout the season so far for the most part. I mean, Michael Furland, he got in a little bit of a fight. um, And he's out with a... They don't want to call it a... I think it was being reported as a hand injury, but most people, including myself, everyone knows that it's more of a concussion-related thing because Ferland has a history of concussions in the last couple of years uh, with Carolina and Calgary and all those teams. He's had a uh, history with concussions, so that makes you wonder if the Canucks did their research and their medical evaluation, I guess, properly with Michael Ferland. I mean, they've said they did, but you know, they probably they're probably lying. Who knows? Cause it's it's always it's always um sad to see that that type of injury, a concussion, and you don't want you don't want it to affect you later on in life if you're Michael Ferland. So. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully it's not as serious as the previous concussions he's had. Hopefully, it's not even a concussion like they've like they've told everyone. But for in terms of Michael Fairland, you gotta hope that he comes back because he was finally starting to play like he used to, and that's just bad timing, bad luck. and you gotta hope that he comes back sooner rather than later. And that's pretty much all I gotta say about the Ferland situation. And also another injury, um, Antoine Roussel. He should be back within the next month, which is huge. He played pretty well for the Canucks last year, and his speed, his physicality. He's like he plays like Ferland does, and he's not much. He doesn't have much of a scoring ability like not as much as fairland does but he still got he's still got value when, uh, on a playoff team so that is a very important piece coming back within the next month and it's just uh looks like the canucks have the bottom six that they were hoping to have with a little bit of scoring. A little bit of physicality. And once Ferland and Roussel come back. Then you'll get to see what our playoff roster will look like. And bar like, hopefully no more injuries happening. But yeah we'll see what happens there. Once Roussel and Ferland come back. And we'll see how the Canucks play. But I think they'll play pretty well. Because... Roussel's a good player. I don't think he'd hold back the team. So we'll see what happens there. One more player that I think that has been doing pretty well within this last week since my last episode is um, Josh Levo. He's shown he's shown um, more of a offensive ability than he had that he like he's shown more of an offensive ability this last week. Um and hopefully he can keep that up, because earlier on in the season, I was a little harsh on the guy. I didn't think he was a better option over uh, a guy like Birshi or a guy like Goldie, which is debatable. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings on Nikolai Goldobin, um, who is ripping up the AHL like uh, like he was expected to. Um but Josh Levo, he's been pretty good for this last week and he's shown that he can play with um Sutter and uh whoever they have on that line, whether it's Pearson, it was Ferland before. Um but he's shown he's shown uh offensive ability and of course again that's another bonus if a guy like Josh Levo who we gave up literally nothing for, we pretty much got him for free and that's always a uh, that's always a win if he's going to if he puts up points, puts up goals, plays well, plays physical and leads us to helps us go to a playoff, not leads us, but helps us go to the playoffs and Just remember, we got Levo for nothing. So, he can't be as harsh as I have been. Um, So, he's been good given what he was given up for. And what he historically has done. He's been better than what he has historically done. He's been better than the guy we traded him for. Which I think was... Uh, Philip Holm, I, I could be wrong, but I think it was Philip Holm, which I have no idea what he's doing anymore. So clearly we won that trade, and he's been living up to ex- expectations. Um, some might say he's been above expectations, but Josh Weevil has been good for this last week, and hopefully he can keep that up. So yeah. Alright, so I'm going to move on to a little bit, like 10 minutes of some NFL talk. Um, Starting off with um, A.J. Green. Uh, He's projected to come back this week. And the Bengals are playing the Baltimore Ravens this week. And the Bengals got a new quarterback starting. They benched Andy Dalton for... A rookie quarterback who goes by the name of Ryan Finley. He is a rookie. He has no NFL experience. But it doesn't matter because the Bengals are the last team in the NFL that does not have a win through 10 weeks of the NFL season. So there's not much to lose there. But for AJ Green fantasy owners, you got to hope that Finley throws him the ball um because Andy Dalton and AJ Green had a great connection but now that Andy Dalton's not in there you gotta you gotta hope that um AJ Green still has fantasy um relevance because it doesn't really matter in terms of the outcome of the actual game because even if the Bengals win one they're not going to make the playoffs you might as well lose the rest of these games c- to get the number one overall pick because um, why would you I know no one intentionally loses but still if you're a Bengals fan which I'm sure none of you are because they're not that great of a team and the fan base is not that the Bengals fan base isn't that great <laughs> um so if you are a Bengals fan though you got to you i'm sure you're hoping for a loss but i'm sure you're hoping that AJ Green can still produce like he has in the past and and if you have AJ Green in fantasy i'm sure you can hope that he produces like he did in the past as well so A.J. Green comes back this week, so we'll see what happens. The final undefeated team in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, they host the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night. Uh, that should be a good game. Historically, the Seahawks and 49ers, they always have some good games, and this has... um. Even though the 49ers are undefeated, you would assume at this point in the season is uh, at this point of the season since it's like week 10, um you would assume that if you're undefeated that you probably have the division locked up, but that's not the case. Uh the Seahawks are just a few games behind, so this is a huge divisional game. Um the 49ers again, like I said they're playing at home. Uh they should get their Pro Bowl left tackle Joe Staley back for this game. Um and on the Seahawks side they will get their first look at uh their new addition, Josh Gordon, and we'll see how Russell Wilson, who has been on an MVP pace this season, we'll see how he um how the connection is between him and Gordon. And how it affects other guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um in terms of fantasy, hopefully it doesn't hurt their value too much. But it could. I'm no doubt in my mind, Russell Wilson's value doesn't go down from this. Um so we'll see how that game goes. Very even matchup, both teams with great offenses and The 49ers, they have probably the second best defense in the NFL. Uh, The Seahawks defense is not to be taken lightly as well. They can have some great games. And Russell Wilson versus Jimmy Garoppolo is always something that any fan of any team wants to see. So probably like the first, real good Monday night game in the last like three or four weeks so everyone tune into that game on Monday night because it's a huge one and it should be a good one as well so tune into that game and one more big game is the uh, Minnesota Vikings versus the Dallas Cowboys uh, this is a big game in a few different ways. Um one being that it's the Dallas Cowboys, they're my team, so it's always a big game for me. L- I'll be a little biased there. But it's also a big game because um Dallas, if they lose this game, um they I think they go to second in their division. It's a it'll be a tie between them and the uh the eagles but the eagles have the easier schedule so they would have the advantage for the second half of the year so that's why it's a big game for the cowboys to maintain first in the division and for the vikings they are in that final wild card spot in the NFC and they they're trying to maintain that the rams are creeping up on them as well so the Vikings, they got to win this game to maintain a playoff spot as well. And also, it's a Sunday night game. Um, Ezekiel Elliott versus Dalvin Cook, arguably the two best running backs in the NFL. So that's always something to watch. Um, Amari Cooper, um, I. Th- Maybe Adam Thielen will be playing this game. So if Adam Thielen is playing in this game, Amari Cooper versus Adam Thielen is always something to watch. And Minnesota's defense has been fairly good this year. They're top 10 in the NFL. Uh, Dallas's defense has also been top 10 in the NFL. So that's also something to look forward to. Good defensive teams, good running backs, um, two Pro Bowl receivers. So we'll see what happens in that game. Hopefully, we get a good one. Hopefully, it's not a blowout. Um, hopefully, of course, the Cowboys win because America's team, when they win, it's always better, right? Because I, I it makes me happier and... I don't care if it doesn't make you happy if they win. It makes me happy, so deal with it. Go Cowboys. And now, moving on to the final NFL thing I want to talk about is Cam Newton. Uh, He probably has played his last game in Carolina as their quarterback. Because they did place him on injured reserve, which... Um, ends his, It ends his season and they'll go with Kyle Allen for the rest of the year. Um, Cam Newton, he did play the first two games of the year. He lost both of those and he said at the beginning of the year that he was healthy and that his foot was not a problem. And now that he's going on injured reserve for the rest of the year, he's been out since week two. That's a little concerning. And Kyle Allen has been a very reliable starter. Um, good enough for the Carolina Panthers because most of that offense goes through uh, Christian McCaffrey anyways. So you don't really have to have that superstar quarterback. You just have to have a good starting quarterback which is what Kyle Allen is he's been good um and he's also cheap that's also another thing which is why I think Cam Newton has played his last game in Carolina if um if Carolina cuts Cam Newton or they trade him they could save up to 19.1 million dollars in cap and that's huge given that Cam Newton has been um, injured. He's been a shell of his former self. He's not been good. And if you have a chance to save that much money as a team to go upgrade other positions like your defense or your offensive line which has not been that great, um, that's an opportunity that they should take. I know Cam Newton has been their guy for the last like almost 10 years and he led them to a Super Bowl on all that but sometimes you just got to move on. Um, It's a business, it's tough but. It's the right decision for the Carolina Panthers to move on from Cam Newton. And we'll see if they do. It it would be a lot of cap space that they would save. But Cam Newton has been Carolina for the last almost 10 years, like I said. So it's always tough to move on from a guy like that. But we'll see what happens there. It's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And we'll see how Kyle Allen does for the rest of the year. That'll have a huge impact on if uh, the Carolina Panthers keep Cam Newton or not. Because if Kyle Allen continues to show that he's consistent and can still be a good starter behind Christian McCaffrey... Who is the best running back in the NFL. We'll see what happens there. So that wraps up everything I have for today. On today's show. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Um, I'll be back next Wednesday. And good luck to all you fantasy owners. Whether that's um, football. Whether that's hockey. Um, Good luck to you guys. I know... Is getting to be the it's getting to be crunch time in the NFL fantasy leagues. So people are trying to lock up some playoff spots. So if you're one of those people, good luck to you. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.